Chapters twenty six through twenty eight of Philomene's Marriages by Henri Greville. Translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six Plan for the Future. One feels all upset since Masson has left us, is it not true? Charles asked his wife one day when it rained. When shall we leave? When you like, dear. Tomorrow, if it would give you pleasure. Not tomorrow, but let us see he counted on his fingers and after a rather a complicated mental calculation he ended by finding a solution one can return to paris with propriety on the twenty fifth of august certainly well we will return there on the thirtieth that will give us about ten days more here which is longer than i need for finishing my work and for me to arrange my little plots with madame aubier you would never suspect what is going on lavenel is paying attention to virginie lavenel i thought he was morally settled under philomene's law has he not been in love with her for sixty years i thought so too but madame aubier confided to me under the seal of secrecy that he goes to her house every day while philomene is here and the day she does not come he takes great care not to appear there that gives one food for thought ah my dear let others think what they like what does it matter to us i believe ma foi that one ends by liking gossip just from listening to it marie went and laid her two hands on her husband's shoulders and if virginie loves masson must a creature like theodore lavenel be allowed to marry her never in the world i will oppose it formally but does she love masson she says nothing about it and will never say anything she is one of the kind who die of grief without opening their mouths but her godmother is sure she loves our friend poor little one sighed charles i presume in fifteen days he will have forgotten her my dear you are cruel well let us say three weeks then however that may be do you want a wise bit of counsel that will cost you nothing philomene is coming with us is she not yes never speak either to madame crepin or before her of masson or virginie or lavenel either collectively or separately if she speaks to you of them turn your tongue in your mouth seventy times seven times before answering her be prudent like king solomon what do you suspect you frighten me i suspect nothing ground failing me on which to build my suppositions but i foresee that some day there will be a collision between those four persons and if we wish to keep our friends we must have our eyes open and not allow ourselves to be circumvented by whom by philomene do you wish to know what i think of her certainly well i cannot abide her marie reflected for a few seconds do you wish me to get rid of her under some pretext she said no indeed first we owe her for the rent of this house and since she will not let us pay her for it we must do something to please her in parentheses this is a lease that will cost us dearer than one at trouville and then she interests me this consoled arthemisia she is not like everybody else i am curious to see how it will all end and then you say you do not care for gossiping said marie laughing la fontaine was right je connais même sur ce point bon nombre d'hommes qui sont femmes nevertheless i will go and pack our trunks good luck and much pleasure may you have charles replied taking up his pen chapter twenty seven a question of toilette on a fine evening in the beginning of september in dust-covered paris that was brilliant with gas and swarming with people 
monsieur and madame verroy accompanied by philomene and a maid picked up on the road reached their home the pleasant house which this happy pair had chosen for their nest had never before seen so many strange packages and eccentric things coupled together as it then witnessed people who seldom travel have an especial gift for tying things together that are the least calculated to be united though they may bind the ephemeral union solidly in packages rolled up in newspapers they succeed only in producing anti-geometrical forms that are misshapen incommodious and utterly incapable of being stowed anywhere in the world and which at some point invariably fall collectively or separately on one's head from the network supporting them in the railway compartment or else roll between one's legs under the seat philomene besides an immense and very heavy trunk that was full of useless things which she would never even unfold during her visit had put the excess of her luggage in game baskets of different sizes the parisian who in spite of his reputation for cunningness is simple-minded imagines that game baskets are only made to hold oysters game plants with their clods of earth about them in a word things that cannot be put in a closed receptacle it is erroneous the people of normandy use game baskets for carrying all sorts of things which might explain why marie who was present at the unpacking of her cousin's things saw issue from several of these receptacles underclothes a shawl two pairs of boots slippers a comb a mass-book a casket a heavy lorgnette which was truth to tell nothing less than a captain's marine glass an indefinite number of stockings and many other things too long to enumerate what have you got in your trunk asked marie urged to this indiscreet question from the oddity of this method of transportation my clothes my dear philomene replied with an offended air ah very well i did not know you were so well provided with things of every description philomene smiled with a delighted look i am not quite without resources said she although in reality i am in a very precarious position as far as money is concerned my late husband never let me want for anything and i have enough with which to dress myself she only spoke too truthfully the room madame verroy had allotted to her cousin was soon full to overflowing with all the things which philomene deemed necessary for her to have for passing a month at paris the closets being failed they were obliged to hang up portmanteaux and even these extended into the hall so numerously that the next day charles on leaving his room got his nose among madame crepin's skirts that were so strongly impregnated with pepper tobacco vetiver and other suffocating substances that he sneezed for more than half an hour without being able to stop it is a false cold cousin philomene said to him when she heard of the incident it happens to me twice a year when i pack up my winter things and when i unpack them but it does not last as long as a real cold thank heaven the young man replied you encourage me cousin but you ought to have unpacked your things at dielette a good two weeks before coming here philomene put on her offended look and marie was obliged to use at least one game basketful of consoling words before she could win back a smile to her heart-broken visage when peace was re-established madame crepin asked a consultation with her cousin relative to the woollen gowns that had caused the unfortunate nasal irritation of the verroise the examination proved that nothing could be of any use and the widow looking more hurt than ever sat down opposite her old clothes letting her arms fall in a despairing manner what shall i do she said in a voice full of tears i am not rich enough to have some dresses made that i shall only wear a month for you know marie when i return home i cannot put on a flounced dress and all the rest of it i am going to return that is all 
it seems to me the only thing left to do her distress touched marie's heart who at once hunted in her wardrobe where she disinterred a black cashmere dress that was simple enough for madame crepin to wear and sufficiently modern not to make the passers-by in the street turn round to look at it she brought philomene this opima spolia of a new kind had a dressmaker fitted to her and for the first time in her life attaining and going beyond her boldest dreams at once the dear soul found herself in the folds of a dress with a train a dress with a train philomene crepin in a dress with a train the inhabitants of dielette would all surely have laughed had they been allowed to contemplate the sight for in no country more than in normandy does dress distinctly define the line of demarcation between the different classes and a more than ordinary courage or boldness is necessary to overstep it philomene did not feel herself quite at her ease at the thought that she was wearing a dress with a train just like a fashionable woman she thought so at least not seeing herself in the glass and besides she was quite incapable of appreciating the difference there is in the way of dragging or letting one's skirt flow behind one this unhappy train was the cause of much grief to the little maid it could not be discovered through what miraculous means the sweepings that had been gathered up by the daybreak were to be found everywhere about at breakfast-time charles who was annoyed by the daily repetition of this fact ended one morning by scolding the poor maid severely who took all the saints to witness in regard to the conscientious manner in which she fulfilled her daily task it must be myself cousin said philomene coming in like a deus ex machina i gather them up with the train of my dress as i walk about in the apartment in the morning while she is doing up the rooms you should carry your train in your hand grumbled charles turning his back on her why do you dress yourself so early in the morning marie asked endeavouring to soften her husband's rude frankness i don't wear such long dresses before twelve o'clock i am well aware that i know nothing about city customs philomene answered immediately a poor countrywoman like myself cannot aspire to fine manners pardon therefore the stupidities i may commit here but my dear friend do you not remember that it was yourself who forbade me wearing my country clothes here so that i should not look ridiculous when people came to see you persons come to see your husband a long time before eleven o'clock must i then appear ridiculous renouncing trying to make any ideas enter so rebellious a mind marie answered do as you like and philomene continued dragging into all the corners the perverse sweepings that were determined not to remain still chapter twenty eight a visit to the theatre masson appeared during these domestic agitations he went there almost every day before or after breakfast remained an hour and left rested graver and better than ever he strictly conformed to the programme he had traced out for himself at dielette and lived not like an anchorite but as a man whose dream is elsewhere than in the life of the boulevards as far as appearances were concerned nothing was changed he might be seen at the same cafe with the same comrades but he stayed there a shorter time did not drink so much and disappeared for entire hours together which he passed either at his own house at the louvre or the library in the calm and retirement of the reading-rooms or galleries that are so full on sundays so deserted on other days i am good for nothing he said to verroy i try at least to do nothing wrong but the time was not lost that he spent in those places his reading a little capricious at first was selected by chance from some book lying open on a table whose title or print had struck him and had become by degrees more methodical he had become interested in the history of art and applied himself to it energetically 
in his walks in the louvre as well as in his reading it will probably be of no use to me said he but it is always that much acquired his comrades had hardly teased him at all about his change for he had not broken suddenly off with his old habits he simply disappeared every day for a little longer time so that one evening he heard some one say we see nothing more of masson what has become of him and an acquaintance replied it has been so for a long time it is nearly two years now since he retired from the world it had only been for about three weeks but one is so soon forgotten when ties of such little stability as such as these that makes absences appear eternal he spoke but little of virginie not being able to find his friends alone for a minute the implacable philomene had taken possession of the verroise as though she had created them with her own hands charles through many pretexts escaped her but poor marie could no longer rid herself of this companion who was as faithful and who stuck as close as nessus's tunic philomene had determined to see paris wholesale and retail and making a pretext of her ignorance and inability she made marie take her to all the different places she wished to go which was no small thing to do you have known parisians the martyrdom of pioneering country friends from the champs elysees to the place de la bastille who wish to see and learn everything about all things you know what it has cost your light and subtle brain to have to tell about historical facts of which perhaps your knowledge is very imperfect to be obliged to give minute explanations about things of which you do not know the least word and all under the pain of falling deeply in the esteem of people who are much more serious and much better instructed than yourself you have taken a gentleman to the jardin des plantes who gave a lecture on natural history to his children saying as he pointed out the elephant who stretched out his voracious trunk towards you that pachydermatous animal is very sociable and the gamins behind you call your friend the pachydermatous animal you have vainly tried to oppose the purchase of some horrible tunisian jewellery some abominable harem pastille that some well-intentioned aunt with doubtful taste has given your wife saying to her my dear friend i have brought you a souvenir from the exhibition and your wife has been obliged to display the horrors the next day at a large dinner or if she forgets it the good aunt makes her remember gently and firmly what is due the presence of a rich relation who is very fond of you you have explained about a hundred things of which you do not understand an iota repeated to them what you have seen in the journals in regard to the number of cubic metres the captive balloon contains making a mistake of several hundreds only but all this is nothing in comparison to the martyrdom of taking about paris in ordinary times some woman who wishes to examine everything and who stops before the small dark linen drapers shops around the halles to see if they make caps there as they make them with us there were no more bright and indefinable conversations that touched lightly on a thousand subjects with implied words that every one understood no more long aesthetical discussions with verroy's friends masson found philomene between himself and everything that was removed from the commonplace she seated herself at his side and took entire possession of him when it was possible and when circumstances would not permit it she looked at him talking listening to him with her eyes as well as her ears as soon as he had finished she drew him towards her as one draws a beetle by pulling on the thread it has attached to its leg and the poor man fell back into the dullest coloured prose he converses well she said one evening after he had left to play in his third act yes cousin but you do not let him talk charles replied i how can you say so i listen to him all the time when he speaks of what interests you what do you expect i am a poor ignorant woman 
i have never lived among clever people like yourselves it is not my fault if i am wanting in manners but she did not change her conduct why should she have done so it pleased her to keep masson near her and to prevent his talking to others the young actor seeing in this a proof of troublesome but real friendship tried to please her as much as it was in his power by bringing her all sorts of little gifts that madame crepin seized with avidity and buried at once in her enormous trunk there was a heavy and mysterious enigma the key of which never left her one night he took her to the theatre to see him act marie refused to go first being too happy not to have to see again an uninteresting play that she knew by heart since a long time and then at being able to pass a nice evening quite alone with her husband a pleasure that had not been theirs for a long while without stopping about the question of propriety a question which in this particular case could not be discussed thanks to philomene's age and the disparity of their positions marie dressed her cousin with her own hands put one of her bonnets on her head and sent her off joyfully with masson as her cavalier in the carriage which bore them away philomene showed herself but little communicative masson was obliged to undertake all the efforts of conversation and with his customary generosity did not spare himself so that they reached the theatre in a very pleasant frame of mind going to the ticket office he said to the minots entrusted with the distribution of seats give me a nice little box for madame a relation of mine who is at paris for a few days minots looked at masson's relation and his glance clearly expressed a thought that might be thus translated your relation has a good style then he presented madame crepin a small square dirty card which she let fall almost immediately masson hurrying to pick it up was pushed from behind by a crowd of people arriving and getting entangled in the train of philomene's gown nearly fell on his nose on the ground but by the help of a gendarme who stretched out his arm to him the accident was avoided this way said the young actor still laughing at his mishap philomene looking very prim followed him confronted by the glances of the doorkeepers who seemed to reproach masson for the bad taste shown in his conquest and she soon found herself installed in a dark baignoire two steps from the footlights that blinded her you will not be badly off here said the young man when the doorkeeper had noisily placed a small high stool under madame crepin's large feet that were attached to her very long legs i will return to you during the entracte are you going to leave me said philomene tenderly and not a little anxiously to seek glory masson replied with a comic heroic gesture i am obliged soon in the third act to say to the young rogues by heaven my lords and now i must go and see if everything is ready in my dressing-room imagine the other day someone put my large comb in one of norval's funnel-boots that he wears in the second act the unfortunate fellow pulled them on without looking inside of them of course when he reached the stage he felt something hurting him atrociously it was impossible to take them off during the act and as he was about to do so in the entracte they came and told him a lady was awaiting him at the concierge's lodge he flew there it was only a trick the bell for the third act rang he was obliged to appear on the stage still suffering dreadfully i all the while was hunting for my comb i could not find it naturally and i was obliged to play without having my hair combed which by the way did not make a good effect upon the public after the play was over norval took off his boots the doctor was sent for the poor fellow had his foot full of blisters someone put his hand carefully into the funnel and drew out my comb broken in three pieces norval was not in a good humour you may be sure nor myself either a distant bell sounded behind the curtain a tantot said masson 
he went away leaving philomene in a state bordering on distraction the gas the curtain with its hole to which a new eye was applied every moment the comb the funnel boots she imagined a tin funnel with a spout and handle such as one sees at wine merchants all this whirled wildly round in her brain her small stool annoyed her a chair placed behind her hurt her shoulder and she did not dare to push these strange things away that were put there for some purpose of which she was ignorant people began coming in and the theatre was filled with that particular sound which is not either that of the roar of waves nor the tumult of a marching day in a military station but which in a manner resembles them both the doorkeepers came in and went out with their rough vivacity making the ugly deep pink ribbons on their dirty caps float everywhere even as far as the front of the boxes the sharp voices of the opera-glass sellers sounded at regular intervals like the croaking of an ominous crow the instruments were being tuned in the way every one knows and the bass drummer who was placed nearly at philomene's feet after having gently touched the skin of his instrument so as to assure himself it was in tune spread out an immense journal that covered the two drums and read attentively some bit of news that was printed in very small type which made him bend his back over in an alarming manner when suddenly the gas mounted halfway up the footlight chimneys three knocks were heard from no one knew where the drummer threw his journal suddenly behind him and a short and formidable crescendo of all the instruments upheld by the rolling of the drums ended in a frightful crash that made philomene jump up with fear the violins wailed a sentimental cadence a loud noise of rolling scenes grated on her ears while at the same time a current of cold bad-smelling air struck her face a black gulf opened before her and strangely attired men ran hither and thither like madmen in the half-light the curtain rose and the play began philomene had read some theatrical plays in a volume that had formerly fallen into the captain's hands and the mysteries of entrances and exeunts were less incomprehensible to her than for some others who had never read comedy plays as they say in the country but one thing puzzled her so much that she nearly lost the thread of the drama already rather mixed up in her mind opposite to her between two side scenes of which she could neither divine the name nor use but which space she designated to herself as a corridor there were some lamps and under these lamps persons in everyday dress who did not seem in the least interested in what was taking place on the stage three feet off from them placed as she was philomene was able to plunge a curious glance behind the scenes what was her astonishment at seeing suddenly one of the madmen who was running across the stage pursuing another catch him at the entrance of one of the corridors pierce him through with his sword and draw back with horrified eyes while the other the one who had just been killed arose and went quietly to talk with a gentleman in an overcoat whom she recognized as masson the tail of a white horse that appeared at the latter's side made her entirely lose her head and she threw herself back in her chair with the discouraged air of one who is struggling with something too strong for him and who acknowledges himself vanquished torches were brought the stage was lighted up and the madman disappeared after a general melee the white horse whose tail philomene had already seen now entirely appeared a beautiful lady got off it and two lovers murmured phrases to her that were as long as they were tender suddenly a gunshot was heard the fair lady uttered a piercing cry and fell down before the prompter's box which was another puzzling mystery to philomene and the curtain descended amidst the groans of the violins while one of the lovers raised towards the ceiling the slashed sleeves of his black velvet pourpoint. End of chapters twenty six through twenty eight